Hello and welcome to the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Rees, and on each episode, I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, we will be exploring the strange and at times dark, morbid, and gothic folklore and superstitions surrounding bells. Yes, bells, any excuse to use a sound effect, and how these bells were used at funerals, to keep away evil spirits, to keep away fairy folk, to keep away trolls, and even to keep away devils in an episode I like to call For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yes, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and that's a saying you've probably heard before. It's quite famous for being the name of an Ernest Hemingway book. It's also quite famous for being the name of a Metallica song. But what you might not know is that For Whom the Bell Tolls has its origins in some very real beliefs and superstitions which were prevalent in Wales as well as in several other countries across Europe, certainly if not the world. And we'll be looking at some of these eerie tales, eerie bits of folklore on this episode. Now, to begin at the beginning, our guide for this episode, well, there's going to be several, but our main guide is Elias Owen, a wonderful Welsh folklorist from the 19th century who gathered these strands together. And starting with Owen, he tells us that formerly in all parts of Wales, a bell was tolled for the dying known as the Passing Bell, P-A-S-S-I-N-G. The Passing Bell was tolled for the dying all across Wales. And the key word here is dying. So not the dead. They are not corpses yet. These are people who are on their last legs, as it were. And the bell would be told. Now, there was a belief going back a few centuries that the bell was also a good way of deterring the devil. So, these traditions could well be connected. It makes sense, doesn't it, that you ring the bell to signal someone might not be on this earth much longer, and it doubles up as a way of keeping away the evil one himself, keeping away Lucifer by ringing the bell while signalling somebody is very ill. And as we'll discover later on this episode, it wasn't only handbells that were used to keep away the devil. Much larger bells were also used. But I'm getting ahead of myself slightly. First of all, let's go back. Let's go way back, because there is a quote which Owen attributes to the Venerable Bede. Yes, the Venerable Bede. We are going all the way back to the first century, the first century AD, assuming this is a quote from this much-quoted monk, this Anglo-Saxon scholar. And I'll be honest, I had a quick look for the original source of this quote, and I, I couldn't find it myself, but I'll take Owen's word for it. He tells us this is what the Venerable Bede wrote, and that is, When the bell begins to toll, Lord, have mercy on the soul. And again, When the bell 
begins to toll, Lord, have mercy on the soul. The words of the great monk there. And again, that does tie in nicely with these beliefs that would continue for cent- well, many, many, many centuries, right up until the 19th century when Elias Owen was writing. And so this really is the starting point, as it were, the beginning of this somewhat morbid tradition of ringing the bell to signal an upcoming death, which did continue for a very long time. It still continues in some places. There are still funerals in the world where you can see the bell being rung, even if not in person. Maybe you've seen it on a TV. TV show or on a film, but it's a practice which still takes place. And Owen does indeed recall how a small handbell would be rung by the parish clerk as they proceeded at the head of a funeral procession. So as the clerk led the procession through the the streets or the graveyard, whatever route it takes, they would be ringing that bell along the way. And that wasn't the only bell being rung. The church bell would also be rung before and at and after the funeral. So the church bell itself would also be rung at least three times while the handheld bell would be rung much more often. So I think it's safe to say there was a heck of a lot of bell ringing going on, certainly in the old days at a Welsh funeral. And if the devil was planning any mischief, any kind of soul-stealing antics, I think he might have found it quite difficult with all that ringing and clanging going on. But is this just folklore, superstition again, or is this more historical? Did, did this really happen? Well, Owen again goes digging into the old church terriers looking for references and finds one in Llanfair Dufferin Cloyd from 1729 that does indeed mention a small bell which was there to be used to be rung before a corpse. So they did indeed have a bell there specifically for this purpose. And another one in Rudlin where he finds that one small bell and another small corpse bell. So they actually differentiate. There is a small bell, but there's a specific bell just for the corpse, the small corpse bell. And we could go on and on and list some more examples, but this wasn't a one-off thing. As far as Owen was concerned, this was widespread. This was taking place in churches all across, certainly all across the north of Wales and presumably in the other churches, not just the odd one or two churches out in the sticks, maybe. They all had bells for this purpose by the sounds of it back in the good old days. Although, just to spoil the more fantastical side of the story, just to give it a much more mundane, dull and boring explanation. But Owen does suggest that the bell could have been used to clear impediments out of the way on the road. So what he means by impediments really is just stuff blocking the way, blocking the route of the funeral. Nowadays, that might be somebody who's parked their car dodgily, maybe. But going back then, maybe someone's parked their horse and cart at a funny angle or something. But anything that might be blocking the way, he can ring the bell and shift them out of the way of the procession. So yes, the bell 
might have been a handy way of clearing the road, but I like to think it was also a handy way of keeping Satan out of the way as well. Now, if we head back through the mists of time, not quite as far back as the Veneral Beat, but back to about the 1100s, 1200s, we can catch up with Gerald of Wales. Now, Gerald of Wales is is one heck of a colourful character who... I won't dwell on too much here. I mean, if you'd like to know more about Gerald of Wales, I would recommend having a quick internet search and maybe I'll dedicate a future episode to him. But in his role as a clerk for for the king and for archbishops and people, he travelled extensively in his native Wales and further afield. And he wrote some incredible accounts which we can look back on now and believe or, or disbelieve as we choose. But in the case of handbells he did write this and i quote i must admit that the portable bells were held in great reverence by the people and clergy both in ireland scotland and wales insomuch that they had greater regard for oaths sworn on these than on the gospels so certainly in the the celtic lands then Back in the 1100s, the parish bell really was a symbol of of power and of belief, of Christian belief. If people had greater regard for it than the Gospels, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't get much more important than the Gospels. Certainly, for the God fearing people in Wales and elsewhere in the world at the time. So, if we look at it in this way, the bell has has always had this strong significance to the faithful. And one of the reasons for this, we are told, yet another good reason for ringing that bell, is that it was thought that the passing bell was originally intended to drive away the evil spirit hovering about in readiness to seize the soul of the deceased. So it might have been thought that the tolling of these handbells at funeral kept the great enemy away from the body about to be consigned to consecrated ground. So again, we see this link with the ringing of the bell and the chasing away of evil. Get back, ye evil spirits. And further to that, Owen does dig out an old quote originally in Latin, and that refers to pestilence as well. This bell could be driving away pestilence. And I imagine at certain points in history, this would have been more important than others. Certainly at the height of plague time, maybe the ringing of the bell took on more importance or the driving away of pestilence took on more importance than at other times. It just did its old, old trick of driving away the evil spirits and the evil one himself, the devil himself. And there's more. Yes, the bell just keeps on giving. And there's more because it's not just pestilence or evil spirits or the devil himself or even just members of the public blocking up the road in the way of your funeral procession. Because we are also told in a reference from a book called Fairy Legends of Ireland. Fairy Legends of Ireland. Yes, we are going full on Celtic with this episode. We're joining with our Celtic friends, our Celtic cousins in the Emerald Isle, that this belief and this belief we are told was also believed in Wales, but of course originates or was recorded at least in Ireland. And that is the dwarves or fairies 
were driven away from places by the ringing of the bells of churches. And it's slightly unclear, but we are also told that this applies to trolls, if that's how it's pronounced correctly. T-R-O-L-D-E-S, trolls. The Danish word, much like trolls or trolls, the creatures from Norse mythology, or as we think of them nowadays, as the people on the internet who've got nothing better to do with their lives. But anyway, all of these creatures in Ireland and wherever else in the world it was were driven away by the ringing of the bell. More than that, they did not return afterwards. And these mythic beings are confounded with Satan. Indeed, to quote, the notion of fairies, dwarfs, brownies, etc. being excluded from salvation and their having formed part of the crew that fell with Satan seems to be pretty general all over Europe, and there are instances in Ireland and Denmark and in Spain. So unlike nowadays where we think of fairies as being quite nice, happy, colourful Tinkerbell creatures, we think of trolls as being those plastic characters with colourful hair, back then they were all lumped together as these unfortunate beings who had fallen from heaven with Satan down to maybe not as far as hell but they'd certainly fallen far enough to land in places like Ireland and Denmark and Spain and they were destined to go to the bad place. You did not want them hanging around. You certainly did not want them lingering at your funeral as you said your last goodbyes or as your loved ones said their last goodbyes and as such that bell that parish bell could be rung to clear the way of any unwanted supernatural visitors. Now, Owen does tell us that bells were, in general, objects of great superstition. And we've looked at some Irish folklore there. Of course, we've looked at Welsh folklore. We've looked at Scottish folklore. We've even touched upon Spain and Denmark briefly there. But next, we are going to look at some English folklore, which once again ties in with these Welsh beliefs about bells. And English folklore tells us that bells are rung during thunderstorms to the end that fiends and wicked spirits should be abashed and flee and cease the moving of the tempest. So by ringing the bells, we can stop these evil creatures, Satan or whatever they might be, but we can stop them from creating these thunderstorms. And we've gone quite global on this episode, or certainly European at least then, because a lot of these beliefs are shared by different countries, by different cultures. And one explanation for this, so Owen suggests, is that all of these European countries, Wales and elsewhere, had a shared pre-Christian belief in such fantastical creatures. And we are told that in Europe, the belief in fairies and spirits did prevail long before the introduction of Christianity. So when we talk about things, when there are certain aspects where Christianity and the more fantastical folklore fairy tales collide, like we spoke about fairies falling from heaven with Lucifer earlier, well, 
maybe it's worth bearing in mind that some of these creatures were there long before the Gospels arrived on these shores. At least, that's what Owen believes or is telling us. And to quote the teachers of the new faith, and by new faith he means Christianity having arrived in Europe, but the teachers of this new faith, which was sweeping Europe, endeavoured to abolish the deeply rooted heathenish ideas and customs of the people by representing them as sinful and connected with the devil. In this way, the devil inherited many attributes that once belonged to the fairies, and these beings were spoken of as evil spirits, fiends, or devils. So what what Owen is effectively saying is that creatures like the fairies were literally demonized. They were conflated. They were put in league with the devil, regardless of what people might have thought about them beforehand. I mentioned that nowadays we think of them as more benevolent Tinkerbell type characters. Maybe they were more this way to begin with as well. But certainly when, according to Owen, Christianity put its stamp on these creatures, these characters, they became something slightly more evil, something you no longer wanted hanging around. And the good news was, if indeed they were malevolent creatures... They could all be defeated, evil or otherwise. They could all be defeated by the ringing of a bell. Now, along with that, the bell does crop up in many sources, not just in what Owen has written and what I've spoken about in this episode. Another old folkloric favourite of mine, Mary Trevelyan, also mentions that Bells were a great way of driving away thunder and lightning. So it it wasn't just evil spirits, it was evil weather that could be driven away. And that was prevalent up until into the 19th century. And she also records a specific case which happened in Carreg a Slider on Anglesey on Anis Morn. And if you can speak Welsh, maybe you've translated that already. But Carreg is stone a slider. It means robber's stone. And there is a robber's stone there. And so the story goes that a man once stole the church bells and was turned into a stone for his theft. So let that be a warning to you, just in case you are listening to this and thinking, do you know what? Those church bells sound pretty handy. I need to get me some church bells. Well, hang on a second, because yes, they might be great for keeping away the evil spirits. The downside is being turned into a big stone is probably a worse fate. So don't go stealing church. Well, don't go stealing anything. Stealing is bad. And as we're talking about bells slash devils slash stones, I I never intended on talking about stones, but I've gone off on a stone tangent now. But as we're talking about these subjects, Trevelyan also tells us of a devil stone at Llanarth near Aberiron. And there's a quaint story attached to it because the good people discovered the devil had been tampering with the bells in the old church tower. Now, as with that robber just now, you don't go messing with the bells in the church tower. Maybe the devil thought he was above humans when they go meddling. The devil was meddling and he meddled on more than one occasion. And so the parishioners requested the vicar watch one stormy night to keep an eye out for that devil and on doing so 
he saw Lucifer, he saw a devil entering the belfry. Presently, the vicar, with book and candle, went after that devil, and he saw him among the bells, just where they thought he would be tampering with the bells again. Now, the good man conjured him to go away, and in such eloquent tones that the devil, much frightened, mounted the ladder of the tower. Promptly, the vicar followed and so closely that the devil jumped from the battlements and came down among the gravestones in the churchyard. So the devil was being chased by the vicar, lost it, he jumped, he leaped, he landed, bang, among the gravestones. And in his fall, the devil came down so heavily that his hands and knees made the four holes afterwards visible in the stone. That is how the devil stone at Llanarth got its four distinctive holes. And I hope, I'd like to think that the, the locals then rang the bells extra loud in celebration. That'll teach, that'll teach the evil one for trying to tamper with our great bells. And so ends the tale of the devil's stone. And so ends the last tale on this episode dedicated to bells with a heck of a lot of devils thrown in as well, and even a few stones at the end. Now, as mentioned, I am sure I will dedicate an entire episode to stones in the future. Maybe I'll sneak some bells into that one to balance it out. And as always, if you don't want to miss that episode, or any episode ever, please consider hitting the subscribe button, and you'll get a notification every week when I upload a new episode. Also, if you've enjoyed this episode and you have some thoughts of your own, I'm quite easy to find online. Just do a search for Mark Rees and you can find my website on a search engine or you can find me on all of the main social media platforms and we can chat about bells and stones and whatever you want to talk about. Wine and cake, anything, it's up to you. But on that note, let's let's wrap things up for this week, for this episode. And it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening. Dioch and Varian Amgrando. I've been Mark Rees. This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast. It's the best. It's the beautiful. It is the only Ghosts and Folklore podcast beaming to you from Wales to the world. Until next time, don't go stealing any bells. No star. Thank you.